just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. Well, thanks very much for taking the time to speak to me today, Chris. Um, I've uh, had a look at your website. You're a very inspiring and passionate guy. But um, for those who don't know anything about you, can you tell me a little bit about your story, where you come from, how you grew up, brothers, sisters, um, and, you know, just give me a, a little example about why I'm speaking to you today. Absolutely. Um, so, like I explained to most people, I am probably the only seven-fingered diabetic elite power lifter and motivational speaker anyone knows, you know? So I was actually born with a physical disability. I was born permanently attractive. I'm just kidding. I was actually born with two fingers on my left. I'll have to remember that one. <laughs> and a shorter left arm. And uh, I was told by doctors that I wouldn't really be able to do much with my left arm and my left hand. Thank God that I am just really stubborn and I don't like to listen. So I learned how to do everything, you know, from dancing to martial arts to playing drums, you know, competing. And then I got into fitness, you know. I grew up, you know, not in the best neighborhood. I, I went through the the normal thing that kids go through, you know, falling to partying, alcohol, drugs, and it, a lot of it had to do with, you know, self-image and overcoming my own issues and my own limitations that I put on myself. So I learned to overcome all that through fitness, and fitness really helped me as a hobby until I got diabetes. And when I was diagnosed with diabetes at 19, um, I was in the hospital and I changed my whole life around. I was in political science. I was going to become a lawyer and I actually switched because of diabetes to exercise science. And I earned my bachelor's degree in exercise science. I started a training career and I've helped, you know, countless people improve their lives through fitness and nutrition and behavior modification and just being positive and understanding that, you know, limitations are self-imposed. They come from inside and change happens inside. So it's, it all starts with you. You know, so I'm really thankful for fitness, and I'm one of the few people that can really say I'm really thankful for diabetes as well. It's an unusual claim, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Can you give an example of a limitation you had at that point? Um, for me, it used to be going to sitting in a pub and wanting more from life, but I never knew what it, I never knew what to do because that's what my friends did, so I thought that's what I had to do. Is it was there a turning point? Apart from the, like, was it just the diabetes that caused that, that made you change your life, or were you unhappy with where you were? It was a combination of things. You know, I was I was the guy that, I was very outgoing, but it, to most people, I seemed like the very outgoing, you know, successful guy, but inside, I didn't feel that way, you know, because of, you know, growing up with a disability, I guess you would call it, or just being different, it had its mental struggles and physical struggles. I couldn't do a lot of the same things that other kids could do, seemingly, you know, and everyone put limitations on me. So I figured, oh, well, if people are telling me I'm limited. I must be limited. The turning point was really when I just made a decision to stop listening to other people. And I started listening to what I wanted to do. I found other ways to do things, you know, going to the gym because my left arm is shorter. I can't do a lot of the same things other people do. So I had two choices. I can either whine about it and not do anything, or I could do something, make it happen, adapt to my situation. That's what I did, you know? So 
diabetes was the turning point in that I took fitness from a hobby to a career and a passion, and I found my purpose because of my pain. Well, that was one of the questions I was going to ask about was, every picture I've looked at you, you're quite jacked, you're muscular, you've got that kind of shape that everybody would want, regardless of you know what they perceive as limitations, etc., myself included. How... How have you changed your eating habits, your fitness, you know, to take, to encapsulate, the, you know, your illness and what Sam would say is a disability? Um, obviously, you've used it as a positive thing. But is there a way, can you talk about how you've changed your life in terms of eating, how you gave up the drink, the drugs, etc., to, to become what you are now? Well, so I started noticing a trend when I was younger, you know, the people who I was around, I didn't want to be like, you know, and the people who I wanted to be like, I wasn't doing the things they were doing. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't working out consistently. I wasn't, you know, I was partying. I was doing, you know, drinking and doing drugs when, whenever. And I realized I needed to adapt my lifestyle to the people I wanted to be like rather than the people I didn't want to be like. And that's such an obvious thing that a lot of people don't even realize, like look around and say, if, if where you are isn't aligning with where you want to be, then something has to change, you know, and you can't change other people. You can change yourself and your thoughts. So I learned early on that making a decision every day was the biggest change you could do, not instantly, but over time. My goal, I was tiny when I was growing up. I was 130 pounds in high school. People look at me now like, oh, you were gifted, gifted. I have a disability and I'm diabetic. What do you mean gifted? I wasn't gifted with anything, you know? I gifted myself a decision, mm -hmm. a daily decision. I gifted myself with a choice that I made over the last four and a half, five years. So people say, how, how did you do that? Was it eating right? No, I messed up a lot. I ate crap food sometimes, a lot of times, you know? Was it going to the gym? I missed gym sessions. It's normal. But more, overall, I made a decision every day to move forward, to move towards my goals, you know? So it's, it's all, it all, always come back to the decision because it's your decision to make, but it takes time and people don't put in the time. They'll put in a week or a day or a month, but they don't put in the years. And that's what it takes to be successful. That's what it takes to master any craft, time. Yeah, because yeah, I think that's what a lot of people struggle with is that moment of when you read these transformations you know they've always been super clean eating they've always been to every gym session i can say that was honestly not me i was not always clean eating i was not born into the fitness lifestyle i was not given a good body to start with i was given every obstacle ever and i'm not perfect but i i overcame them because instead of looking at the bigger picture of oh my god there's so many things that i need to overcome i said what can i do today to make it a little better, you know, I'm not a saint by any means, you know, but I know what it takes to make a change, and it's it's a daily decision. I mean, that was definitely something that made me think, you know, I had all these sort of excuses about why I couldn't do this in the gym, why I was missing that, why I was eating that crap or whatever, and then when I was looking at your profile, that you know, you're born with, um, born with it, well, some would say it's a disability, um, an illness etc and you were deadlifting at least 100 pounds more than me you're a male male model you know you were, ran your own business and i think a lot of, that's what a lot of people struggle with is actually accepting their 
accepting where they are just now and making the changes, people would rather just go, oh, well, that's an excuse. I can't do that. Oh, that's why I'm limited, right? That's why I'm not where I want to be. Um, on your website, you say that limitations are made by us. Can you explain a bit more about that and how, what you mean by that kind of concept? Absolutely. Limitations are self-imposed. So that's, that's my whole concept in life. Um, if you say you can do something, if you say you can't do something, you're right. Both are right, you know? Um, what's the big limitation people say for themselves? Like, oh, I have a hard time eating right, you know? I've always told people that there's two types of people. There's people who say it's easier said than done and then don't do anything, you know? And there's people who think it's easier said than done, but do it anyways. It is easier said than done, guys. It, it definitely is, but you have to do it anyways. It's kind of like brushing your teeth. If you only do it once a month, you're not going to get results, you know? You need I'm to very do bad it breath. daily. Exactly. Very bad breath, very bad body, very bad business. It takes consistency, you know, and limitations are self-imposed in that any limit that you say or think you have came from your mind, you know, even if someone else told you something, you chose to believe it. Everything is a choice. And if you have limitations, it's because you've chosen to have limitations. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's um, something I struggled with was it was always an external source there was there was always a problem outside it was never yeah. my consistency or turning up or eating healthy you know I, I used to look oh i could never get to a squat rack oh well that meant you know that's why my squat was only that weight um and see if, i mean you've gone from somebody who drinks who used to have a party lifestyle to you know taking it step by step is there a tip that you could give somebody right now who is really struggling, wants to start making the changes that you're suggesting, has these limitations in their head? Is there like a ritual, a mantra, a way that you can just get them going? Absolutely. Um, so I think I can start answering this question by saying why diabetes pushed me to become who I am. One of my favorite quotes that I heard in high school that's always stuck with me is, uh, you teach best what you need to learn most. So for me, I needed to become healthier because of diabetes. So I was like, okay, well, for me to get better, let me teach other people to get better, which will in turn make me get better. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. the, the biggest thing I can say is they need to make a decision. And the only way they'll make a decision is that they have to have their why. Their why has to be so big. Their why is the reason they want to accomplish something. You know, most people go to a job, why, to make money? No, they go to a job to support their family. You know, they go to a job to pay their bills so that they're not on the street, so they're not stranded. You know, there's, there's an emotional why for everyone's reasoning for doing anything. You know, you probably have a why on why you're doing this podcast. There's a reason why you want to do this, whether it's to help people, whether it's something. There's an emotional reason. So for those people who are struggling right now in the position I was in or in a worse position that other people are in, they have to find why they want to get better, whether it's for their family, whether it's for the betterment of their life or a potential family they want to have. The why has to be so big that a million people could line up and say, your idea is stupid, it's dumb, you're never going to do it, and they wouldn't listen. The why is everything. So once they have their why, uh, that the mantra and stuff you're talking about, literally waking up every day and telling yourself, I'm going to be better than yesterday 
is the simplest thing to actually say that, to believe it, you know, conviction. Mm -hmm. If you just say, you know, I will be better than yesterday. Like I will do something better than yesterday. I will accomplish something today that I didn't yesterday. And if you actually follow up, you're going to feel so good because you accomplished the smallest goal, you know? Yeah, that's a tricky answer. Um, that leads me on to my next question. Um, what do you consider to be the main problems with ma like modern man and in today's society? Is it drink? Is it um, you know we've lost our way? Is it we've forgotten how to be men? Um, oh. What I mean? Do you have a list of sort of common complaints that your clients come to you with? Okay, so I guess I'll divide that in two parts because I have a big issue with. <laughs> The, the modern day philosophy of everyone should win. You know, uh, one of my favorite uh, entrepreneurs that I follow, Andrew Frisella, he said there's no participation trophies in life, you know, <laughs> and it, it's very true. Everyone feels so entitled. Unfortunately, you get exactly what you deserve because all your decisions that you've made in the past lead you to where you are now. I like making my life about me. I like you to make your life about you. I believe people have control of their lives and that they can make a different decision every day to get to where they want to be. So the problem I have with most people who come to me and say, I want to do this, but I can't. I want to do this, but I, I don't know how. I, that It's not a good enough excuse. And like you said, it's true. People have excuses and it's a crutch for people to lean on who don't want to do the work. People don't want to do the work. They want you to validate their excuses. And that's, that's a big issue that a lot of people come to me with. But I break that down. And I ask them, honestly, you know, if you're depressed or if you're in a rut or you're doing something that you don't want to be doing, I ask them, who controls how you feel? And they say, well, I do. I was like, who controls how, if you change how you feel? Well, they're like, I do. I said, if you have a choice between feeling good and feeling bad, why don't you choose good? Well, it's hard. Yeah, that's cool. But I didn't ask that. Why don't you choose good? You know, uh, it's a, I like it's a question. Yeah, I, I like empowering people to I remind them that they do have a decision in their lives. You know, they do have a say in their lives. Too many people feel helpless today's day and age. Yeah. I mean, um, is this where your behavior modifications came in? I noticed that you say on your website that you utilize a lot of behavior modifications in your own life. Um, could you give an example of something that you maybe done for yourself, one that you've done with a client, um, the kind of concepts that you sort of create behind them? Absolutely. And I mean, do they do they have to come to somebody like yourself, or can they just impose themselves? So this is, I like to work with people because I've done it personally, so I can help people. But I I feel everyone can kind of impose this on themselves. One of my favorite books is the, uh, I think it's seven successful habit seven habits of highly successful people Stephen Covey and he talked about the circle of concern versus the circle of influence and an easy way to explain that is if you imagine a huge circle that's your circle of concern that's everything that you're stressed about oh my god what about this I want to lose weight but I can't what happens if I'm late what happens if this all this stress okay then in that really big circle you have a tiny circle like a marble that's your circle of influence that's the things you can actually control, like your thoughts, like what you're doing right now. You can't control the past and you can't control the future. You can only control right now. Most people operate outside of their circle of influence, which causes them to be miserable. 
They're constantly worrying about things they can't control. The biggest tip I have for behavior modification is moving your entire life inside that circle of influence and slowly increasing that circle of influence, you know? So you have to only worry about what you can actually control. And you can control your reaction to situations. Sometimes you can't control someone breaking up with you. You can't control someone hurting you. or You can't control someone doing something with their life. But what you can control is your reaction. That's what separates us from being animals and humans. You know, animals don't really <laughs> control their reaction, but humans can. Now, sometimes we don't. Don't get me wrong. Someone cuts me off in traffic. I want to chase them the entire day and tell them how I feel. I am not Mother Teresa. I am not a saint. But we do have the ability to control our reactions, you know. So uh, my biggest advice would definitely be circle of concern versus circle of influence. And if you master or at least understand that concept, that has drastically turned my life around. That's one of the best answers I've heard in a long time. Uh, (laughs) You know, you sit there and you want to say, oh, no, but that guy did that to me. No, that happened. Oh, I can't get to the gym. You know, you, you... I think one of the main issues I find is people want to blame somebody else, something else. They never want to accept their own blame or accept what they've done or why they're in that situation or how they can fix it. Um, something on your website I really liked was the that you struggled with the concept of accepting yourself, but you've learned how to do it. Um, for me personally, I've got keloid scarring where I've got raised lumps, like benign tumor sort of things. And I find that a real struggle when I see them like in the mirror and stuff. Um, so I know for some people accepting themselves for their past, for like um, body images, etc., is a real struggle. Is there a way that people can get past their perceived flaws, limitations, etc.? You know, how does somebody take something that they've hated all their life and maybe use it as a positive or eliminate it to focus on what they want from life? Yeah. If that waffle makes sense. I think referring back to a few of the things I've said, like combining, you know, that you can change your perception and the circle of concern versus circle of influence, you can't control how you were born. You can't control what's going on physiologically, you know? So because you can't control it, you really can't hate yourself for it. It's not fair. You know, you, you don't, you don't have an ability to change that. So instead why not stand up and be a hero for people who are struggling just like you? Like I said, you know, you teach best what you need to learn most. What happens if you took it upon yourself to be strong for other people? Most people won't do things for themselves, but they'll gladly do things for other people. You know, uh, you know, you won't clean your own room, but you'll gladly go over to your friend's house and you'll help him clean his room because it's interesting and it's different. It's helping someone else. If you just took that and said, okay, what happens if I was strong and I showed people that I was really strong with my body image? Well, in turn, that would motivate other people and that would motivate yourself to be more positive about yourself. You know, so that's that's a tool I kind of use. And I I switch my whole life to help other people. And in turn, it's helped myself. You know, so some people might view something as selfish. I think the word selfish has a really negative connotation and it shouldn't because life is selfish. You know, if you volunteer, you're doing it to help other people, but it's making you feel good. So even then, every act of kindness is still somewhat selfish. And I don't think the word selfish should be a bad thing. I just think that you should also help people in turn. Yeah, I've never thought about it in that terms that 
even volunteering is a selfish act yeah. because you're getting the, okay. something for your CV or feel good about it, etc. Um, and it was that the kind of idea behind setting up the business and using what you were learning as you changed your life to help others. Absolutely. I mean, helping other people, uh, of course, you know, I feel everyone's time is worthwhile, you know. So a business is a business in that you're still going to make money, but I'm not selling people Tupperware. You know, I'm not doing something that's not benefiting them. I know mm -hmm. I'm changing their life in a way that is going to make them more positive. It's going to make them feel better about themselves. I always start every consultation with telling people, you don't need to change to be happy. You need to change how you think to be happy. The body change you want, you only want it because you think it'll make you happy. But that's not where happiness will come from. Happiness will come from the day you decide to make a decision to be happy. You know, you can be 400 pounds and happy, or you could be 130 pounds ripped and still be not happy. You know, so it's, it's true. Never thought of that. It's very true that some of the most, the prettiest people in the world are the most depressed. Some of the richest people in the world are the most depressed. It's not, they have what everyone wishes they had and thinks, oh, if I had that, I would be happy. I like to flip that situation. I want to say, instead of, if I had that, I'd be happy. How about saying, you know, if I was happy, I'd have that, you know? So changing your whole perception, a lot of people say, if this situation changed, I'd be happy. Well, if you were happy, the situation would probably change. Your perception of it would change. So a lot of people kind of think backwards in that they want things to complete them, but they are already complete. They don't need things to complete them. Yeah, yeah I hear that a lot of people. Oh, if I only had a better car, if only I had that job. <laughs> I hate it. And is there a, how would you go about giving somebody that, like, start working towards that? You know, somebody who's always looked externally is there a way that you could just say to, like, do you work with them on a daily basis? Do you give them tasks to do that gradually increase in intensity or? Definitely. I mean, I mean is homework is definitely going to be something I include. I need people to, it's practice. You know, if you, if you work out, you've had to practice to get better. You know, when I started working out, I was deadlifting a hundred pounds, you know, I recently just hit a 615 pound deadlift at 181 pounds. Now, if you asked yeah. years ago, if I would be able to do that, I would say no way, you know, it's conditioning, you know, you need to practice every single day on being positive. You need to practice every single day on making better decisions in your head mentally so that you feel better. You're not going to instantly feel better. You're not going to talk to me once and be motivated. You know, I can't motivate you. You can motivate yourself. But what I can do is I can help you figure out what motivates you and keep that in your head, you know? Okay. Um, I mean, can you give an example of the types of clients you have? Um, are there any clients that you're particularly um, proud of or that, you you know, stories you can tell? Absolutely. So I have three stories off the top of my head that I can tell. One is very current and two are in the past two years. So my first client that I really like, I absolutely love this kid. He's an 11 year old with cerebral palsy. So his name was David. He couldn't really walk too much. He would, he had a hard time getting around. 
you know? So his family reached out to me and said, can you help? You know, he's had physical therapists for a long time. He just, he can't really move as well. And they're, they're not doing anything to help him. So I started working with him. I loved the kid. The kid was so much fun to work with. Really smart kid. And uh, within six months, he ended up running on the beach for the first time. So oh. it's because I'm not a magician by any means. I'm not smarter than anyone. It's not, I, I earned my bachelor's degree, yes, but I take a different approach in that I want to do whatever works, not just what works in the book. With this kid, I needed to do different things to get around him. We pretended like we were animals and walked around. We did all kinds of fun, crazy stuff, but I helped him overcome his own little battle in his head because he would always hold on to walls. He wouldn't try and walk. He wouldn't try and do anything because he didn't believe he could. I think a major portion of what I did was instill the belief in himself. You know, another client was her name, Shirley Durant. She was 85 years old. She relapsed from cancer twice and came to me and she said, I, I need to do something. You know, I'm, I'm at my end and I just really, I don't even want to live anymore because this is miserable. I can't even get up out of a chair. You know, she had a hard time standing up out of a chair. I worked with her for months and months and she went from not being able to stand out of a chair to being able to press 20 pounds over her head for 10 reps. Standing up, pressing, sitting down, standing up, pressing, sitting down. She got back to gardening. She got back to all the stuff she loved. She wrote a letter to the gym I worked at at the time. And I'll never forget this line. She said, Chris gave me my life back. At 85 years old, this lady got her life back. That's nuts. You know, again, I'm not a magician, but I just listen. I help them with what they need instead of saying, oh, well, this lady needs to strengthen her life. This lady, this lady needs someone who's going to listen and help her passionately and give her what she can do. She was every day grinding. I can't take the work that she did away from her. I'm not any coach who says they did this. They didn't do anything. All they did was cheer and give a good program because the client is the one who does the work, you know, so they deserve all the praise. Um, I, mean, I mean, that's that's something I, I notice a lot of. It's the kind of, here you go, that's to work on. It's never... What what's the internal motivation? What's the fire? How do I, you know? Because they always say the biggest enemy is the one between your own ears. Uh, absolutely, a hundred percent. And I personally take a responsibility to help them defeat that enemy. You know, to help them kind of flip the switch and allow them on the right path to do the work. Because nothing replaces work, but you have to be on a good foundation. You know, you don't start building a building from the fifty-second floor down. You start from the ground up. You know, so the mental aspect is huge. The last client that I really want to, you know, she's incredible. I just recently started working with her about a month ago. She's lost about 15 or 20 pounds, but she was in the military, suffered from PTSD and a few other issues, um, recently diagnosed with cancer as well. But she lost the weight and she told me that I am no longer depressed anymore. I had, I got off my, uh, antidepressant medication because of, you know, getting back into fitness and all this stuff. PTSD has gone down. She doesn't have to see the doctor as much. Her name's Kelly. Amazing girl. You know, she puts in work and it's, it's incredible to see the life changes through fitness. You know, it's not just getting nice biceps, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy that this mental change can happen from this physical change. So I really do love helping people when it comes to this, but I am not all about the douchey, like, I'm just going to live to have a nice body and abs in the gym type stuff. You know, I, I really like people to change. So, For me, that's what I'm struggling with is the 
it's my why for lifting. At the moment, I've had to go back and get some PT lessons, just to try to try to remember why I enjoyed lifting from the start. I got so into hitting certain numbers and focused on matching this guy or that guy that now it's kind of I've forgotten why I did it in the first place. Like where the fun, the motivation. Um, can you explain about how you keep motivated, how you keep striving in the gym, even when you get to that point of real struggles? Is there is it just that you the love for it, your coaching, the gym calms you, or is there do you have a way to keep yourself motivated as you go? Because you're constantly busy helping others, you know it's. Um, I like I said, teach best what you need to learn most. So I need to be into it for one. It's it's just something I need to do to show people that you can do it. Once I learned the whole limitations are self imposed thing, you know I got up to like 300 pound deadlift and I started telling myself, oh, there's no way I can get to 405. I got to 405. I'm like, all right, I need to stop telling myself that I can't get to this stuff. You know, I'm just gonna say, let's set a new goal. You know, my newest goal is 700 pound deadlift at 181, and I want to be the strongest adaptive diabetic athlete in the world. That's going to take time. That's not going to magically happen overnight. It's going to take me over a year and a half, two years to probably get up to 700 pounds, hopefully sooner. But, you know, goals, 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 goals. You have to have goals and timelines on those goals. You have to understand the timeline. Uh, uh, A goal without a plan is just a dream. You know, a lot of these cliche sayings come into play, but they're true. Because if you don't have a plan to get to your goal, you're going to have no clarity. And then you get confused. Like you said, you're not really sure why you're lifting. You're not sure why. You're, you have to have your why. So I like doing little competitions, maybe even for people who are losing weight. I tell them, hey, let's set a photo shoot date for 12 weeks from now. And like, what do you mean? I'm like, let's let's pay a deposit on a photo shoot and let's do that. Well, that makes it that's real. That's evil. Oh, it's evil. But it, it makes it real. I literally have all my clients. I'll say, you need to go post on Facebook right now and say, I'm going to lose 20 pounds in the next X amount of time. Cheer me on. I just made it real because if you go back on your word, you look like, you know, you can't, that's not cool. So I like to make it real with people, and most people are afraid to commit even to themselves. So it's having that level of accountability. You know, you're not. Yeah, because I remember years growing up, I would be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this. I'm going to go and X, Y, Z, whatever it was. And three weeks into it, as soon as you hit the first blimp, ah, well, you know, I'll change. Oh, I like that shiny um, object. I want that. Yeah. Um, my, I, I still struggle with that personally. You know, I, I start eating really, really clean and I'm, I'm focused. Like, because my focus is powerlifting right now. My body isn't like super, super ripped, jacked, lean. You know, I'm okay. But when I, after this next competition in May, I'm going to focus on my body kind of for marketing. And my goal is to get on a, the cover of a magazine. I don't care what magazine, that's just a goal of mine. I have like a, a, a page, multiple pages of goals that I want to accomplish, you know, like kind of like my bucket list, but I love it. I see it every day. I guess that could be a, something that motivates people too. If you make a, a pleasure board or a goal board and you see it every day, you're like, okay, you make it real. If you don't see it, it's going to out of sight, out of mind, you know? Mm. But it's like, it's like um, Tim Ferriss what gets measured, gets managed, or no, what, I can't remember how you I put it. I think it's get measured, managed, or something like that. Yeah, uh, there's another one like ink it, think it, believe it, achieve it. Like you, you have to have it written down. You have to believe that you can do it, and you have to set yourself on a timeline that it's gonna happen. You know, so that's kind of what keeps me going. But 
you have to understand, like, I'll still, I'll eat clean and then I'll see some cookies and I'm like, oh, oh I have low blood sugar. Let me eat some cookies. You know, I trick myself. I, everyone does. I fall off, but you really have to have those goals set in stone so that you abide by them. The accountability, like you said, is huge. It makes complete sense. Um, one thing I always love asking people is, you get the standard advice. You know, you want to get in shape. You've got to exercise. You've got to eat clean. You know, you got to do this and that. Have you heard of any really or discovered any counterintuitive advice that sounds so so dumb that when you do it, it works really well? For instance, um, if you're flirting with a girl and you're going over keen, she starts distancing herself from her by ignoring her can make her attracted back to you. It used to be an old pickup trick. Um, maybe not the best one to use nowadays, but you, you know what I mean? Things that when you see it, you go, that'll never work. You try it and it does. Have you noticed anything yourself? Or? Okay, so um, I've, I've been writing a lot on, on my website, blog posts about dieting and flexible dieting, carbohydrates, and its effect on diabetes. And I keep up with all the local new research boards I'll lead into that by saying a Kansas nutrition professor did a study where he ate Twinkies for six weeks or 10 weeks and lost 27 pounds and improved his cholesterol. I want that light. He wanted to show that it is not the quality of food that determines weight loss, but the quantity. If you are burning more calories than you take in, you will lose weight 100% regardless whether the food is healthy or not, clean or not, okay? I used to joke with clients. I said clean eating is like spraying Windex on your food. It's not, it's not just putting clean foods on a plate that instantly make you get fit. You need to eat relative to your goal. So the reason why I have a job is because what I do for clients is I figure out exactly how many calories they need to consume based on a few fancy factors like basal metabolic rate, total daily energy expenditure, basically what they burn on a daily basis. And I need to make sure that they're burning more calories than they're taking in, but not too much. Then I give them a flexible diet in that I allow you to eat pretty much what you want given the numbers I give you, you know? So if you want to have 30 grams of carbs from ice cream one day or 30 grams of carbs from brown rice, you can choose. And a lot of people are like, that, that, does, that doesn't work. Well, yes, it does. If you look at the research, flexible dieting is shown to be more effective in long-term weight loss and fitness goals. It's shown to be better mentally for adherence. I don't care if you have the best program in the world. If people don't stick to it, it's the worst program in the world. Diet adherence, 100% is what counts. Well, you got to eat paleo. You got to eat vegan. You got to no, no, no. You got to eat whatever you're going to do to get results and keep it on. You have to stay consistent. If you can't adhere to the program, the program sucks. So they always say that uh, the perfect program done half-assed is still always going to be worse worst than a half-assed yeah, program. 100%. I like uh, that a lot. Um, it's true, though. You know, I help my clients in that it has to fit into their lifestyle. If it doesn't fit into their lifestyle, it won't work, you know? So anyone who says you, you have to eat clean to lose weight, false. You have to do cardio to lose weight, false. You have to exercise to lose weight, False. You should, but false. As long as you're burning more calories than you're taking in, you will lose weight. Now, where is that weight coming from? Muscle mass, water, body fat. That's where it gets a little tricky 
And that's what I kind of talk about in my ebook that I'm actually releasing next month called The Art of Losing Body Fat, Starving Yourself Fat. So it is a very ba- uh, simple, simplified, uh, simplified program for people to understand on exactly how to lose body fat specifically, maintain or build muscle mass, and stop listening to all the bro science and the myths that are, be thrown, in, that are thrown around by people who don't know. You know, you see that in every gym. The guys with chicken legs who tell you how to oh, squat. Geez. Oh no, that drives me absolutely crazy. You know. I mean, was there did, when you were working out? Did you have set goals for yourself, or did you just start see where this goes? I mean, can you tell me how you got into like competing and things okay. like that? Did was it, uh, did somebody recommend coming to the gym along with him, or did you just do it by yourself? So I actually started going to the gym. I was on uh, the drum line in my high school, so I played drums, and my drum line captain told me to come to the gym with him sometime because I could never keep up with all the push-ups and stuff. So I ended up going with him, and I I saw it as the biggest challenge in the world. I'm like, I saw people who had muscle and built, and I started looking on bodybuilding.com. I'm like, God, that is so cool but I could never do that. And I'm like, wait a minute, I've heard that before. Let me take this on as a huge challenge because in bodybuilding, that's what I originally got into fitness for is bodybuilding. The whole goal is to be symmetrical. And I was born asymmetrical. So I'm like, that's impossible. I'm like, let me, let me try and make this possible. So I fell in love with the idea of challenging myself. I've always been kind of stubborn in that I've, I've competed with everyone and myself all the time. I love competing, whether it's at walking faster than you and you don't even know if I'm competing with you or racing the old guy next to me in traffic and he has no idea what's going on. I, I love competing, you know. So that's how I got into fitness, really. Um, when it came to competing, I wanted to do bodybuilding, but building muscle takes years, you know. And I started building muscle, but I noticed I was getting stronger and stronger. And one of my friends was competing in powerlifting. He's like, hey, why don't you try doing that? You're already ready. I'm like, uh, I'm not a powerlifter. Powerlifters are all fat and they lift heavy weight and stuff. He's like, that. that is completely incorrect. So I got educated in what powerlifting was. I did my first meet, and I actually won. You know, I won first place and uh, overall in my first powerlifting meet. That was two years ago, and ever since then, I'm addicted to it. It's such a supportive, you know, lifestyle and such a supportive community. Now I'm getting exposed to strongman and to other things, and I'm like, oh, my God, I want to do everything now. So I'm trying to compete in a lot of different things to show people that there's no limitations. You know, there's no, there's nothing that should hold you back except except for yourself. You know, so yeah, yeah. The, the with regards to the strongman, I noticed you met up with Elliot Hulse, who somebody else who I've interviewed a, a few times. Um, he's an intense guy, awesome guy. Goes off on a tangent sometimes, you know. Um, but uh, I'm really looking forward to reading his King's book. Um, can you? Was there anything that you particularly learned from Elliot or that's maybe changed how your views of the world or your coaching or your training so or was it just a great day I, I uh I recently quit my full-time job to focus on my brand full-time which is pretty awesome but yeah, I appreciate that thank you my my friend Lewis actually he texted me I think the same day on Monday and he said hey you want to go up to Tampa I'm like yeah but for what <laughs> he said Elliot Hulse has an open gym we might be able to meet him. I said, might, like maybe, like we're going to drive four hours 
to possibly meet someone. He's like, it could be worth it. I'm like, all right, screw it. Let's go. So we drove four hours to possibly meet this guy. We get there and he's not there. I'm like, we came all the way here to work out for 30 minutes, you know, a four hour drive for a 30 minute workout. He ended up showing up and not only did he show up, he noticed me lifting. So he came and talked to me and pulled me aside for about 30 minutes. He helped me correct my core work and, um, I, I'm a big believer in spinal hygiene and spinal therapy, keeping a strong core and a strong back. And I follow Dr. Stuart McGill, who is like the father of spinal hygiene. He perfected all these movements for me, Elliot did. And then Elliot said, why don't you try doing an Atlas stone, you know, the strongman stone? I was like, uh, I don't know if I can. He's like, wait, didn't you tell me limitations are self-imposed? I'm like, God, he got me with my own line. I'm like, all right, I'll try. I smashed it. You know, I ended up doing it for eight reps instead of one. And Elliot was like blown away. But he's like, dude, that's awesome, you know? So that kind of opened my mind to strongman. And that's what Elliot was strong in. So he reached out to me, ended up writing the article on me, which was really cool. But I followed Elliot for a while, ever since his Yo Elliot, the Hey Elliot series, you know? But I learned oh, yeah. I learned a lot from him, you know, just in, in core work. He's going down a, a slightly different route for the meditation. He's getting, you know, going that route. <laughs> but... I, I'm still very inspired by him as an entrepreneur, as a coach. I, I know what you mean you, when you cut through. Some of it's a bit too new agey. To there, there's a name for it. I can't out, think what it is. It's definitely out there to say the least. But I respect him as a person, an athlete, and coach, and everything. So he he is an awesome individual to link up with, and I'm just glad that that experience not only helped me with exposure, but it exposed my mind to another sport, which is strongman. And I don't know, I think you mentioned uh, Rodney Miller. Do you know him, the diabetic strongman? I've heard the name. I don't think I'm familiar that well. Okay, well, he's actually a, a diabetic strongman, and I'm talking with him, too. I plan on doing a strongman competition sometime this year. I've never done strongman before in my life, but that's just something else I want to overcome and just add to my repertoire. So my biggest advice for some of your listeners would be get uncomfortable. Get uncomfortable, you know. Do, take, take a goal that you don't think you can accomplish and tell everyone you're going to do it and then figure out how you're going to do it, you know. Set your goals and then make a plan to get there. That's It's, it's that simple, you know. For me, it would be understanding women. <laughs> and I don't think anyone will ever get that. It has to be realistic. That's <laughs> this podcast would certainly go so, to a 10 hour podcast if we talk about that I would struggle myself I have no idea what the hell I'm doing half the time um, so you've got Elliot and say, Rodney as your current role models um, can you give me an example because when I started this blog it was initially about hitting the next level you know getting doing what you wanted in life just even if it was just going to the pub and you wanted to go try a sport even if it was that kind of small level or it was starting your own business it was just continuously improving so i also looked at film characters and tv shows when i grew up because i grew up in the highlands middle of nowhere so i used them as role models to change and adapt how i behaved to become more like them can you tell me about like who your role models were as a kid as a teenager is there characters now that you identify with or tell people to look at to become more like so, them growing up my biggest role model was definitely my brother actually you know above everyone else you know 
I, I like some bodybuilders and Greg Plitt was a a major fitness athlete. Rest in peace, Greg Plitt. But he, uh, my brother, I watched him personally struggling in our home, you know, to going to college and then getting his own car and there's just little goals. And then now he's a, he's a pharmacist and he makes a lot of money and he accomplished his goal through a lot of struggle. So that was like firsthand experience seeing someone overcome struggle. I don't even think I've ever told him that, but really watching him overcome that was, it was really motivational for me to see, you know, to go from nothing to where he is now. As far as right now, I have a few like role models and people I look up to. Like I mentioned before, Andy Frisella is huge for entrepreneurship and real motivation. Like he's a little rough in his motivation, the way he talks, you know, but it's great because he hits you right in the gut and it's like, Oh my God, that's so true. Um, for marketing, you know, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, if you know him, he's a huge inspiration when it comes to business, you know, and he's, he's out there as well. I like the rough kind of people who talk, who say it as it is and they don't sugarcoat anything. Uh, Well, I I interviewed him episode number one. Um, it was back a couple of years back when he did his, he was going around helping little blogs and you could just write in and if you were selected, so I got selected for a 20 minute conversation. And the, when he was promoting his Crush It book, um, the guy is amazing. That is so cool. The dude is um, awesome. You know, um, there's other adaptive athletes. Like, I really love the people I work with for the nonprofit. I am adaptive. They're a, an entire nonprofit for adaptive athletes, and they're just helping people so much, you know, just overcome their limitations. Um, but there's so many athletes out there that are just amazing and putting in the work, and so many business people who have just done so much and overcome so much struggle. There's there's so many to name, you know. I mean, just when I I remember being inspired by you because I remember watching and it was like you were picking up that stone and it's the way you look. You turn around and look to Elliot Hills like, yeah, I thought you were going to give me a challenge. You know, you, I could see you looking for something else. I didn't include it in the video, but after I lifted that stone, he was like, "Look at that, you did that." I was like, "That's cute," and he said, "What?" I said, "That that's it. That's all you're going to give me." His face was priceless absolutely priceless but yeah it definitely looked like that because it was definitely like that because you, you just had to, uh, your friend was just sitting there just like uh, you know just like yep he's like this all the time That's um i mean are you are you okay for time we're coming up to 48 minutes i've got um yeah um i've only got a couple more questions if you're yeah, we're okay good. with that um can you tell me about your business um We'll get we'll we'll get the advert in at the end. Don't worry. But um, can you tell me like a lesson that you've learned? What would you say your number one lesson from running a business? Has it taught you about yourself? Um, that you can do things, or is there others? You know, why why should somebody start a business if if they're interested in that? So sort of I don't think people should just start a business to start a business. I think you have to have a good foundation, like with anything, like a goal or anything. If you're starting a business, you should start from solving a problem. You know, you should be helping someone and it should be somewhat of either your passion or helping people should be your passion. So if you start a business to try and make money, you will not be happy. I can honestly say starting businesses is not for the weak at heart. You will fail. I failed four times so far and I will fail another hundred times until I make it. You know, I've had a clothing line. I've had multiple things that didn't go as I planned because life is not perfect. You have to learn how to pick up and go. So the 
biggest thing I learned from starting businesses is you have to be resilient. You have to be, no matter what your why for why you're starting the business, if it's helping people, no matter how many times you fail, no matter how many things go wrong, you have to keep the course. You have to stay the course, you know? So business has to be at a personal level for you for it to be really successful. That's a, that's a very good answer. Um, my brother's got his own business, but at the moment I'm just working full time, and it's something I would love to take the site full time, or maybe do a podcast, or even make it a part time thing. Because um, I just love being able to help people. I've always taught, um, thought of this as like I don't have a clue what I'm talking about, so I'll ask experts. Because awesome. I find people who inspire me, and I remember, you know. Elliot going, oh, this guy's got boulders for shoulders. You know, you've got um, the, dis- the um, disability in your arm, but you were throwing an atlas stone around that some people would, well, able body, if there's such a word, um, would just struggle with a stone. You were deadlifting over 600 pounds. You know, you're a model. You've got your own company. And I was just kind of going, okay, who's this guy? I've got to speak to him. They're, you know, you are what I consider an next level guy. You're taking your life you know to those kind of levels you don't sort of hold back in your limitations you've accepted yourself you fought through bullshit that would have crushed other people and you're killing it i mean um so say if you could speak to all mankind right now i know this is a very grandiose question and you could say anything you wanted what advice would you give to people um, Brent Smith gave a very good one about you know igniting your passion, being who you truly want to be, that sort of thing. Um, if you could speak to everybody right now, what would you say? Is this like a PG thirteen podcast? Oh hell no! Okay, so the <laughs> I would struggle. I would with the say ones. three words: fuck your excuses. That is the the best advice I could possibly come up with is, fuck your excuses. Anything that you say that you can't do, you're lying. People can do it. People are going to do it. People are going to hire you to do your goal because you had excuses. You know, you need to get over yourself. You have to get over yourself. You have to allow yourself to become the person you were supposed to be and allow yourself to become the person you have the potential to be. But the reason most people don't is because of their excuses. Like we said from the beginning of this, limitations are self-imposed. People don't expose their passion. They can't ignite their passion because they've stopped themselves from from even getting there because they have an excuse. Well, I, I can't because oh, I hate the word because. You're just anything that follows the word because is usually an excuse. I just just shut up right there. Stop talking after the word because. I used to make clients do burpees or all kinds of cardio anytime they said the word can't. That word is just not allowed. That is the dirtiest word in the human language to me, is the word can't. I think that's an absolutely disgusting word. So um, my best advice would be fuck your excuses, definitely. I would say that proudly. I think I'd be doing burpees Honestly, you'd be, you'd be like 90 pounds because you'd lose all the weight from doing so much cardio if you ever said the word can't around. <laughs> I, I hate that word so much. It was that way I used to always go into the negative mindset. It was always, I can't do that. Oh, that's yeah, if, or... if you're constantly saying the word can't, you're practicing a negative skill. 
Imagine if you practice shooting a basketball, hitting the rim, and always not making it in. You'd be really good at missing shots. You're practicing missing shots in life by practicing being negative, you know? It, it kills me if you're conditioning. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. So if you practice that negative shit, you're going to have that permanently unless you make the decision to practice being positive. And now I'm not saying butterflies and sunshine and the world is a beautiful place. No, I'm saying practice using your own mentality to be like, hey, I don't care what the problem is. I care what the solution is. Don't invest in the problem. Invest in the solution because there's always a solution. Whether it's if you need to quit, you have to quit. Whether it's, you know, changing your mindset, doing something different, there is a solution. And if you choose not to see it, that's your problem. I'm beginning to think I might take up coaching with you yes. myself. My, but, I'm just, uh, man, like, I just love your outlook. It's like, true, though. But the bad thing is uh, I love coaching people. I love helping people. But the second this podcast goes off, if they don't practice what we talked about, nothing happens. 1% of your day is talking to me. 1% of your day is working out. It's the 99% I worry about. You know? I am a tool mm -hmm. To get you to where you want to be. That's it. You know, a hammer is not a house. A hammer can build a house, but it is not a house. You have to you have to have that, you know, and you have to live in it. So if you don't practice it, you won't get it. Uh, you can either destroy Absolutely. or create. It's depending on who Absolutely. swings it or how, or how it's swung. I quite like that. No, I, I really like that, uh, the basketball analogy. So second last question. Um, I could go on for hours, but obviously um, I'm conscious of your time and uh, what you'll be up to. Um, so say if you had to set just now three tasks for somebody to do, if they've listened to this, they're motivated, they're fired up, what three things would you say? Say they're a complete beginner, but all they know is they want to get a better life. They want to get better in shape, eat cleaner, healthier. They want to change their life from where you were to where you are now. Is there three action steps they can go to just start their journey? I'm so glad you asked me that question, and I'm so glad I'm prepared for it. Uh, <laughs> I have, surprisingly enough, three steps to success. And it's just three steps to success, and it's just three words. Dream, plan, hustle. Dream, plan, hustle. Okay? The three steps to being successful at any business venture, any life venture, any relationship ever. Dream, you have to have the idea. You have to come up with an idea of what you want. You have to have a dream. You have to have a goal. Okay? Plan. Well, if you have a dream and a plan and idea, you if you have a dream and idea, I mean, you need a plan to accomplish the dream and the idea and the goal, right? So we right. have to come up with a right. plan that's going to potentially work, you know? Plans are great, but plans fail. So... Dream, plan, and then the last step is hustle. That's the part people hate. People hate hustling. And you have to put in the work. People can't stand doing the work. I saw a funny picture where there was a bunch of cartoons, and the guy said, who wants change? And everyone raised their hand. And then he said, who's willing to change? And no one raised their hand, you know? Everyone wants something they're not willing to work for. Those three steps can be repeated until you're a millionaire. They can be repeated until you're broke. They can be repeated until you fail or until you succeed. 
But inevitably, if you follow those three steps continually, you'll succeed at what you're doing. And I've done it time and time again with, you know, working out mentally with my businesses. You dream, you plan, you hustle. If the hustle doesn't work, the plan doesn't work, you make a new plan, then you hustle again. If that doesn't work, you make a new plan and you hustle again. You don't stop until you are successful. It's that those three steps that will literally bring you to success, but success is not given, it's earned. You're going to fail probably before you succeed. It's most likely going to happen. Now, the goal is to learn from other people's mistakes, but you need to have a plan from an idea you had, and you need to hustle until it's done. It's that simple. I'm already thinking. I'm already thinking. You know, I was, I was so caught up in the answer that my head was going, oh, wait, I've got to answer a question. All oh, right. No. Um, I thought, I'm just so glad I can keep replaying this yeah. over and over again because you've given me so much to think about. To, uh, to actually over make it real, uh, when I was writing my ebook, uh, that was my whole goal. That's uh, the Dream Plan Hustle. I got out index cards and I wrote Dream Plan Hustle and I figured out what I needed to do to make it a reality. And I listed it step by step, very basic. And I, I made it real because I saw it. I laid out a shit ton of you know index cards on my desk and I looked at it. And I'm like, oh my god, this is real. I see it. I see my idea in real life. Now it's on my table in a bunch of index cards, but I see what I have to do. So you literally with your podcast, you could do something like that. You know, why do you, you want to have a podcast? Why? Okay, cool. What's the plan on growing your podcast to becoming a part-time job? What do you have to do to get that? How many people would you have to do and how much traffic would you have to generate? How would you generate that traffic? Okay. Now, now that you wrote the how, go get it done. That's it. That was a bit I used to fail on. Now I I start stepping it, and that's when I kind of struggle because I go, how do I go? How do I keep the momentum going? And it's this is what, kind of the reason I started it was to speak to people who have gone for it, you know, who have either succeeded, failed, who have reached heights I'll never get to, some who are around the level I'm trying to reach, you know. And, and each time I speak to somebody, it's like it keeps it going is that momentum that so many people struggle with but it's like anything when you start pushing a sledge with weights on it the hardest thing is getting it going and then your momentum just Newton's keeps it going physics states and a body in motion stays in motion while a body at rest stays at rest anytime you change there's gonna be struggle you know there's gonna be struggle when you when you're trying to change but once you start changing that momentum you like one good thing will happen, and then more good things will happen. Oh, my God, it'll snowball on you. It'll just get huge. But guess what? That will eventually stop, and then some bad stuff's going to happen. Life's going to happen. You have to constantly think of your life in valleys and peaks, you know, like a mountain. As long as the peaks get higher and the valleys aren't as deep, you're in the right direction. You're going in the right direction. But you have to understand there's always going to be highs and lows. Yeah, you're never going to be continuously happy. You're never going to be continuously happy. And I definitely, uh, after this podcast, too, I want to talk to you about uh, an idea that we could collaborate on. So we'll, we'll talk about that outside the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <guys. laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the final thing really is to how can people keep in touch with you? How can people, you know, get in touch, do some coaching with you or get in shape you know um can you talk about your ebooks your website your social media um i'll put links to all your profiles etc but 
Um, do you have a particular products that you're about to release to the world, or you know, just how can they keep in touch and okay, see what so you're up to? I I genuinely take on way too much, <laughs> so I have a lot of projects, but they can keep in touch with me through my social media, through Instagram, which is at Chris Rudin, or Twitter at Chris Rudin, or Facebook at Chris Rudin Speaks. Um, I post a lot of updates and a lot of valuable information on there, as well as my website, chrisrudin.com. I have a constant blog that I'm updating on anything from nutrition to training to diabetes to anything like that. I'm releasing an ebook, like I said, called The Art of Losing Body Fat, Starving Yourself Fat. It's exactly what you need to do. Easy, simple, step-by-step on how it's easier when it comes to losing body fat. Not just because I want people to look better, but because I want them to be confident because confidence equals success. When you're confident in your body, you'll be confident in your life. And there's a lot deeper level than just looking better to me. So that ebook I'm really proud of. I, I worked a lot uh, to make sure people get the most out of it. And I made it so easy to read that you could literally just read the bold, the bolded words and you'd understand the entire concept. So I made it for lazy people. I made it for people who want <laughs> science. It's backed by, I think there's over 30 plus studies backing everything I say. Um, I'll be launching that. It'll be on my Instagram, Facebook, as well as my website. So they can grab that. Coaching is done genuinely through my website. They can do, whether it's, you know, life coaching or an entire program of exercise, nutrition, and life coaching. My goal is to help as many people as possible, but I'm not Superman, you know? So I don't take, you know, hundreds of clients. I only take people I can really help. If not, I can refer them to other people, but if you are interested in training, you have to reach out to me and let me know what's going on because I don't just take people to take people. I take people that I know I can help and, you know, make a difference in their life. So just reach out to me. I have a YouTube channel as well, at Chris Rudin as well. I'm doing a bunch of videos on just kind of my life on the road to deadlifting 700 pounds as well as a Trash Talk Tuesday segment where I kind of talk about, you know, some of the crap going on when it's whether it's low-carb diets or anything related to anything that I just have a problem with. And I back everything up with logic. It's not just, you know, mud slinging and crap talk. But I am also in the beginning works of a possible documentary, international documentary. So I'm kind of keeping that under wraps. That's as much as I'm going to say on that. But it is a huge project. And if it goes through, I'm going to be really happy. (laughs) But for now, just kind of keep up with me on my social media and uh, my website. My blog's up. So... Feel free to reach out if you ever need anything or if you just want to say hi, I'll I'll gladly talk. So thank you guys. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life.